A trip to the Super Bowl is on the line. You guys will find out who's going to advance right after this. Welcome back to another episode of Clutching Sports. This is your host Marco with my boy Rohan. How's it going, Rohan? We're doing good. How about you, man? Hey, man, can't complain. Uh, gonna be spending the the game with my father for his birthday. Uh, a lot of people gonna be Perfect. there running out of hall. Um, making it a big event, man. Um, that's that's what football does, man. Brings people together. Um, that's the best part of football, man. Uh, actually, sports hey, in general, no to be honest. Yeah, no disagreement there. It's always fun when you're watching with a group of people. I probably will do the same uh, this weekend because it's going to be a fun weekend, really. Two games for us. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I, I'm excited because end of the day, um, to be honest, so the way I'm gonna look at the way I look at it is, do I think the 49ers is capable of winning? That'll be answered later. But no matter what, absolutely no matter what anyone says, you got to be pretty damn happy about what this team did this year think about it week yeah. one of it's a monsoon they they lose a close game um week two their starting quarterback who they traded up for in the 20 was a 2021 draft um gets hurt um he's done for the season jimmy garoppolo who wasn't supposed to be on the team starts starting games the 49ers go they start off the season three and four he gets hurt after seven starts i believe Next thing yeah, you know, around there. Brock Purdy comes in. Everyone thought the season was over. The 49ers are, I believe, eight and three, I believe, at the time. Believe that believe that was around the record they were. Uh, against Miami Dolphins. Gets hurt. A lot of people thought the season was over. I thought the season was in limbo. I was like, how what's gonna happen? I know a lot of people who, who thought the defense was gonna have to carry the 49ers um the rest of the way. People thought that. It was going to be a defensive and run game heavy. That was kind of the case in a sense. The defense carried the 49ers to a lot of wins. So people got to be pretty damn excited. I know for sure if we would have told people that the 49ers would be going to the Super Bowl, uh, going to the champ NFC Championship with a potential chance to make the Super Bowl, people would have said we are liars. They would have called us crazy Probably. at the time. And I mean, I was I was one of those people. I was a doubter. I remember I tweeted uh or not tweeted i when someone said like way back when that the 49ers could go on a run i said that that's extremely unlikely this was like after the rams game or no before the rams game when we were three and four someone had said the 49ers could go on a run and i just said that that was unlikely well i was wrong and uh we've seen it and so yeah it's gonna be a fun time i think brandon Ayuk uh earlier this week said it best i wrote an article about him today uh today and he said essentially we're at the nfc championship going to the playoffs going to the championship game it's cool we love it we're and we're in a great position right now but also we've got to talk about what Lee just put up on the board take six what's on the 49ers minds right now it isn't an nfc champion well 
it is an NFC Championship game, but it's also the path going to the Super Bowl. That's the main thing on their minds. Brandon Ayuk said, we're looking to go out there, prove something to ourselves, prove it to everyone around the world, who the 49ers are, and looking to handle business because they want that Super Bowl. They've missed the opportunity now twice. They've made it to the championship game three and four years. Zero Super Bowls to account for it. Could this be the year? Let's see. So, like like Callie says, shout out to Callie, shout out to Corners Throwback. Um Get six. I got four Super Bowl tickets chilling behind me. Uh, that was I was gifted a, a Joe Montana plaque, and it has four of the Super Bowls in there. Um, tickets, man. Like seeing witnessing two Super Bowls, man, and seeing two Super Bowl losses. Like as like I'm the I'm a, I'm a big sports fan in general. I love basketball. Like any sport you put on, I love it. Basketball, baseball. I'd get into hockey. Like I, I love every sport, but like. Football, man, it's just different. Like, growing up playing football, growing up enjoying every Niner game and going to candlestick, like, football just hits different, right? So, like, seeing those two losses in the Super Bowl for me were killer. So, like, absolutely, like Kelly says, man, go get six. Take six, man. Shout out to uh, Federalist 45. It was extremely unlikely. Likely, It was unlikely. Um, so was uh, 12 in a row. But, hey, who cares about 12 in a row? You got to go one and zero this week, right, Rohan? That's the exactly. So, Rohan, this game is became another essentially the way people were talking about the 49ers Dallas game. People were talking about, well, the 49ers have to slow down the Eagles. The 49ers uh, defensive line isn't as good as the Eagles. The 49ers defense isn't as good as the Eagles. Their offense isn't as good as the Eagles. The Eagles this, Eagles that. What do you have to say about the way media is talking about this matchup? They're really talking about like if it is um, extremely favorable towards the Eagles. I think that there are a couple of things that I want to address with this because I've seen a lot of takes where uh, both 49ers and Eagles, both sides have brought up different things in the past to try and justify why their respective team might win, right? For the 49 or against the 49ers, people bring up they lost to the Bears. They lost early in the season. They have these certain losses. And for the Eagles, it's they lost to certain teams as well, right? And they they suffered some poor losses uh on their own. Look, what I have to say about that and about all the national media talk, none of any of the outcomes of previous games matter. This game is completely different from the previous games, especially when you're referencing maybe the Kansas City Chiefs game in week seven. Both teams are way different than they were at the beginning of the season. Regardless of what the record says, the Eagles obviously have been consistent the entire year, but both teams have been better than that they were at the beginning of the season. And I think that it's important to note how this is a different environment as well. And so to me, I think I think all of that is just talk. I don't really take into account as much of that as a factor as to who's going to win this game. Really, it comes down to a couple of things. I think the talent on both sides is very, very comparable. We'll talk about that later, but it's going to come down to a mix of the better talent, the more physical and the more ready for this environment, and also the better coaching. And so I think that it's a number of factors, but really the point is it comes down to this one game. It's not a dependent on what the other, uh, how many ever games are. If you're in the NFC championship, you're in the NFC championship for the reason. So to me, I don't really buy into the talk about 
which team is favored, especially when you uh, point out the fact that both teams are very loaded rosters on both sides of the football. Yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree with you because when you look at it, it's funny because, like, if it's 49ers media or 49ers content or fans or whatever, you see a lot of fans essentially talking about certain aspects of the Eagles, right? The run game. DVOA, who have they played defensively as an offense? They actually haven't played many good defenses in terms of DVOA, which is a statistic that ranks teams in general and is a very – one of the more accurate statistics out there, right? So when you're looking at that, you got fans talking about that. And then you look at the Eagles side and you got them talking about, oh, well, you got a rookie quarterback. Um, You guys have to stop Jalen Hurts. Our defensive line has 70 sacks. Like, there's a lot of different, like, it's it's very weird because you got one side and then the complete other side. And, like, there is, so far I have not seen the happy medium of people actually saying, have you guys thought about these are – have been two of the best teams all season. Yes, uh, Philly started off extremely hot. Extremely hot. They they were one of the best teams in the league all season. And then Jalen Hurts gets injured, and then they fall off for a couple games, and they lose a couple games in a row. The 49ers are opposite. They started cold. They got hot. Like, this, these are two different teams. What happened in the beginning of the season does not matter because what the 49ers were in the beginning of the season, they are not the same team. What happened five weeks ago with uh, when when the Eagles played against the Dallas Cowboys, the Saints, I see people talking about those games. Those don't matter. They didn't have Jalen Hurts. They didn't have their full roster. Let's look at the complete picture. Like th- These two teams are not comparable to the 49ers beginning of the season and Philly a couple weeks ago. What Philly did last week against the New York Giants was serious. What the 49ers did against Dallas holding them to 12 points was serious. These two teams match up very well. I don't get why people are saying the 49ers should dominate this game. The Eagles should dominate. Like It's stupid of me, man. Like, Am, am I going crazy, Rohan? Or, or do you agree? No, I, I do think I agree. And I mean, when you look at it, the number one thing to, not necessarily number one, but an important thing to look at, look at the betting lines. Normally in betting lines, home teams are favored by three points. I think the line is exactly at three points. What does that tell you? Guess what? The betting lines think that this game is neutral. They think that it's a 50-50 toss-up pretty much between the Eagles and the 49ers. And I do th- I do think as well, because when you when we talk about it, and I think it's a good time to get into it, let's get into the position-by-position position kind of part in terms of 49ers-Eagles and see where each side is favored. Because when you, when you talk about it at the end of it, I think that both sides have a strong matchup. There are going to be things that each team has to figure out, teams that each, uh, parts uh, that each team struggles with. But I don't think in no means that this should at least be considered a blowout pregame. Now, obviously, one team can change their minds. One team can play poor football. But I think at the moment, it seems like this is a the ideal matchup. And it's why going into this, uh, like going to the second half of the season when the 49ers started picking up steam, I said the Eagles are the, the matchup that you've got to be most afraid of. And when you look at the records... Guess what? The top two most loaded rosters in the NFC ended up being the top two seeds in the Eagles and the 49ers. They are not necessarily head to toe. I think that obviously in some areas, they're, uh, one team is better, some areas another team is better. But they're still overall rosters wise, they're comprised of similar talent. And I think that that's important because it's going to be tough because you have to essentially try and defeat talent that has been 
uh, similar to yours. Absolutely. So you said let's get into the the position by position. Do you want to start defensive side of the ball, or do you want to start offensive side of the ball? Let's go. Let's go defense first. We'll end with the offense. Absolutely, because it is going to be a defensive matchup, in my opinion. I think defenses, whatever defense struggles the most, is the defense that's going to lose. Like I, I don't think these defenses are going to struggle. So let's start with secondary. All right, let's go. Corner, let's go uh, secondary in general. So corners and safeties, the nickelbacks. Who would you say has the better secondary right now? I think I have to go the Eagles. Um, and I, I have a huge respect for what the 49ers have done uh, with their, or at least the secondary, how they've played uh, as of late, uh, meaning Diamond Lenore really has stepped it up, right? Two interceptions, pretty solid coverage overall. But when you talk about the two secondaries, not to slight on the 49ers, but the Eagles, their secondary is elite. It's the best secondary in football. When you talk about it, you've got two all-pro level cornerbacks or near all-pro level cornerbacks, Darius Slay, James Bradbury. That allows them to do a lot with their coverages and allows Jonathan Gannon to really sit in whatever coverage he wants and dial up uh, the plays that he likes, be it quarters coverage, be it man coverage, cover, cover three, whatever it may be. I think that those two are really good. And then when you include the safeties, I think that while the 49ers might have an edge in the safety department, I think the overall gap isn't too, too significant. Uh, Avante Maddox, a nice slot corner as well. I think that that's vital. Jimmy Ward's there as well. I think both teams have solid slot corners. Uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, a versatile player. He's in that secondary as well. But I think the most important position is the cornerbacks. And I do think that Philadelphia has the better cornerbacks in this matchup. And I think that they're a little, I think that I, I give them the edge in this matchup. I kind of agree with you, but I also disagree with you. So I'm going to put it this way, right? So you, you say the, the 49ers secondary is a little bit less than the Eagles, which I don't mind. I don't mind that that stance because in, in terms of coverage, I would give that to the Philadelphia Eagles. But then when you talk about tackling and stuff like that, it's absolutely the 49ers. The secondary mm, from the Philadelphia fair. Eagles is afraid to tackle. It looks like they are, they're, they're not necessarily afraid, but they don't like to get their, their head in there. They don't like to get dirty. And that's what Kyle's going to make them do. So when you when, for me, when I'm talking about the secondary, I'm going to break it down into two different – parts coverage wise coverage wise i'm going eagles right because you got darius slay which is one of the best corners in the nfl you got james bradbury you got uh garner johnson who's a good um corner um they're getting avante maddox back so they got a good secondary they're absolutely good when it comes to coverage now tackling not so good 49ers they like to tackle. Their, their corners will come up and make a hit their safeties are very good tacklers and they, they're able to come up and play the run so that's what I'm going to go Eagles. I'm going to break it down. I'm going to go Eagles. Um, secondary is better in coverage. 49ers are better against the run. But those those two secondaries are two different kind of secondaries. Right. The way they're built. So the, the Eagles play built their secondary in terms of the pass-happy NFL. 49ers built their defense for a pass-happy NFL. But knowing you're going to have to run the ball and play uh, playoff-like football come January. So that's a two different style of defenses. For built their secondary, so I'm gonna I'm not gonna really say one's better than the other because they two they do two uh, two different things well, but when I look at it, I gotta go, I gotta go the Eagles because of oh the I thought you were gonna say 49ers okay no so I gotta go Eagles because 
when you have Darius Slade, Gardner Johnson, um, you got James Bradbury, that's a good secondary. Now, tackling mm-hmm. is all about mentality, right? That's what tackling is when in terms of coming to um, secondary. And I think they're going to come with that mentality because they're going to have the the crowd with them. They're going to have that energy. But, damn, having to tackle guys like Debo, Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, Christian McCaffrey, oh, Kyle's going to test those guys. That's for sure. And that is tough. And also, when I talked about it earlier this week uh, in an article, I had mentioned cornerback safeties. I had split it into two. thought the 49ers had the better safeties while the Eagles had the better cornerbacks because the 49ers have a better safety tandem. But I like your breakdown in that it's coverage and then safeties. I think, or sorry, coverage and then tackling because I do think that that's the distinct difference between the two teams. The Eagles are probably the best coverage team in the NFL with the amount of cover cover players that they have both in the safety department and in the cornerback department. But the 49ers are a very good tackling team and and it's also a huge part of how they uh, evaluate cornerbacks. Traverius Ward is the best tackling cornerback in the NFL, and that's why that was a part of the reason why they signed Diamond Lenore, a guy who can fit in the slot. That they they essentially have a guy who fits in the slot well because of the way he can play in the slot with uh, run fits and the his ability to tackle. They have that on the outside, and then Jimmy Ward is very physical and also a very stout tackler. So their cornerbacks are good. We know Hufanga is a solid tackler, especially with the aggressiveness and Sean Gibson. Not a slouch himself. So I like the breakdown that you have. But, yeah, good uh, good breakdown there. So before everyone goes, make sure you guys hit that like and subscribe button on both channels. Um, now let's go straight to that. <laughs> Shout out to everyone following. I see Zach in here, Fortnite's throwback, Steve-O Supreme. So Supremo, I like the name. Um, Federalist 45, shout out to you guys. Uh, make sure you guys drop comments and, and tell us your guys' confident level. You guys can answer these questions as well as uh, going with us. Um, obviously going linebackers, I'm going to go first. There's no way, there's no way. And, and if you say Eagles linebackers are, are better, I'm going to have to drop you from the broadcast because that would be you going crazy on me. And I don't want that. Right. Um, the linebacker group, Fred Warner is the best linebacker in all the football. Uh, Dre Greenlaw was a vote away from being an all pro linebacker. So he, the NFL gives him his respect. Now, when you're looking at TJ Edwards and you're looking at, I don't even know the other guy's name. What's Isaiah name? White. Yeah. Isaiah White. I forgot White. why. Yeah. I, forgot, I forgot why I forgot his name. But those two guys, are they're not good. They're not great linebackers. They're average linebackers in the NFL. So I'm for sure going 49er linebackers by four. Um, it's just, that's easy. It's an e- easy answer on that one for me. I think this is the easiest answer that we're going to have in this entire battle. Maybe the second easiest when we get to a different position group. But. Overall, yeah, this is an easy one because the 49ers have the best linebacker tandem in the NFL. Just like the Eagles had the best cornerback tandem in the NFL, I think the 49ers have the best linebacker tandem in the NFL. And Fred Warner and Drake Greenlaw are unmatched because they have different responsibilities but fulfill those responsibilities very well. Warner is the best linebacker in general in the NFL, so it's going to be tough uh, to top that. And I think the reason that um, you not necessarily have questions, but the reason you, you do want to shed light is because Linebackers are a team that Kyle Shanahan or a position that Kyle Shanahan likes to hit, regardless of who's playing there. Kyle Shanahan has done his job with linebackers. And I do want to point out, though, TJ Edwards, very solid year here for the Eagles. Uh, he was a, uh, a near Pro Bowl type of level corner. He, he, he was that type of good this year. But again, it's a, uh, when you talk about tandems, it's tough to mention uh, the entire group. Kaiser White, average. 
average. That's how I'd name, uh, not name him. While Aziz Alshire is a very strong third, uh, third linebacker on any NFL team. And so to me, when you talk about the entirety of the group, easily San Francisco. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, JB, uh, I, I see you in the comment section. We're going to come back to the coaching, and I'll bring that comment back up later when we talk coaching later at the, at the end of the, the show. Um, going going defensive line, man, it that's hard, right? Because the 49ers defensive line, so it's deep, right? You got Nick Bosa, you got Eric Armstead, you can name a bunch of dudes. But when you look at that Philly D-line, dude, it is deep. Deep, like it's a different kind of deep. Like they have dudes who are third in in fourth string players that would be starters on many other teams. So do the Forty yeah. ers but their guys are, are. I think they have a better um, group of D line. I think their depth is better. But if you look at the starters, I think it's very very similar. Like one of those to me, I I would say they're equal. I think Nick Bosa um, equals out equals it out. I think Eric Armstead in the playoffs and Eric Armstead who he is as a run defender and a pass rusher um kind of carries the load. And then you look at uh, Hassan Reddick, you look at um guys like Fletcher Cox, I believe he's still there. Um not their not their main guy, uh, but Har- is it Har- Mar- Hargrave? How do you say his Javon Hargrave, yeah. Hargrave, he's had a phenomenal season. So he is at- so underrated. Javon like, Hargrave so- is really talented. When you're looking at their D line, like they got Nanomikin Sue there, they got the rookie Jordan Davis out there. Um, they also have another another guy who involved Joseph. Yes, Joseph out there. Um, they have damn what's his name? They have another defensive lineman. I cannot think of his name. Quinn Robert Quinn. Robert Quinn. They just traded for. So their their D line is absolutely loaded, right? Now when you look at the 49ers D line, it's loaded, but then when you start getting towards the back end of their D line. It's not as strong, right? So I'm going to say it's a toss-up. I really do think it's a toss-up. Whoever, if you said Eagles, I I wouldn't mind. If you said Eagles, I wouldn't mind if someone said 49ers. On this one, I can't say equal, so I'm going to have to go the Philadelphia Eagles defensive line. And it sucks to say that as a 49ers fan, but being 100% real with everyone, I think that defensive line is, is very good. Yeah, uh, I think that that's fair. To me, I wrote about it earlier this week, and I said this position group is the hardest to grade. I said it was a toss-up in my article because when you talk about these two defenses, Philly, number one, uh, number two in yards by literally one yard per game, and 49ers, number one in yards allowed. But when you talk about it, it's a story of two tales. The Eagles have the better pass rush. The 49ers have the better run defense. Uh, the Eagles, they have a sack percentage of over 11%. 49ers around the middle of the pack, about a 6.91% sack uh, sack rate. But the 49ers only allow 77.7 yards per game on the ground, only 3.4 yards per attempt. That is phenomenal. The Eagles, they're near the bottom. They, they give up 121 yards per game and 4.6 yards per attempt. That's 21st in the NFL. So it does depend on what you value because both teams are comprised differently. And as for the depth issue, I think the way that I look at it, the Eagles have talent. But I also think that the 49ers' depth shouldn't go unnoticed because I think that they fit the system well. I think that that's why the depth is the depth. Guys like Jordan Willis and guys like Charles Omenihue or whoever you want to name fit the system very well. Willis obviously is a run defender, Omenihue as a pass rusher, and you can name guys like Kerry Hyder and all. 
But I think overall, when you look at this, when comprising the depth and the starting level talent, I do think that the Eagles have uh, the challenge here because when you when you talk about it, they've had uh, they have guys like Hassan Reddick who is an elite pass rusher. They have uh, interior guys in Javon Hargrave, Fletcher Cox, Jordan Davis, uh, and all uh, in the interior. And then obviously on the outside, you've got Josh Sweat, Brandon Graham, Robert Quinn. I'm just talking about names here, but they're pretty darn good well, names. Like the, and the thing is, though, is you say names. But the dudes are actually very productive this year. Yeah. Like they did, like I want to say, three of their defensive linemen had ten plus sacks on the year. So like they were good. They were so very it's good. Not just names like the production is there with these names versus the 49ers. They had one dude who hit eighteen and a half sacks, and everyone else I believe is under seven. So like the production is right. there. With, and by with, the way, with really they huge. didn't have three. You're gonna find this even funnier. They had four. Guys over 10 sacks this year. Bro, that's even that's Four. even crazier. I think the 49ers have 48 sacks on the season, man. Like their D line is so their D line their entire starting defensive line had 49 sacks. That's crazy. Dude. So think about it. Their D line is what the 49ers was in 2019. 49ers fans, right. I, I love you guys, but we still believe a lot of fans still believe that the 49ers D line is 2019 level. It is not 2019 level at all. In my opinion, but the thing is, 2019 level is also top heavy. This D line here, it, 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 that's the difference. But on the topic, I do think that you've got to go with the Eagles based on the sack production and also based on the the fact that in a pass heavy league, the Eagles have neutralized the number one a, a, attack, which is the passing game with the 70 sacks. Now, the D line could play a big factor in this game because in playoff football and in physicality, the run game is what matters, and that's where the Philadelphia Eagles have struggled a little more this year, and so that could be a huge factor in this game, which we talk about soon, but I do think when you talk about the overall production and what you've seen this year, you have to give it to the Eagles based on how successful of a season they had uh, rushing the quarterback. Absolutely, but if you talk about best D linemen in general, you're, everyone's going Nick Bosa, by far, for, the, for, those, for those Eagles fans that think Hassan Reddick is better. Absolutely ridiculous. Um, pressure rate. You look at all that. All the all the the deep metrics. Hassan Reddick doesn't come close. So I don't. When I see people throwing stats on on Twitter, see people throwing stats in articles, trying to compare Hassan Reddick to Nick Bosa, don't do it. You look like a clown. To be honest with you, like I'm not trying to be a, a jerk or anything. You really do. You're talking about the defensive player of the year versus a guy who gets a lot of gets a lot of sacks because of the guys around him and he gets pressures. From the inside, that fourth guy is right into his lap. I'm just saying how it is. Nick Bosa is ten times better than Hassan Reddick. I shouldn't say ten times, but like I would say five, about five times better. Um, going over to the offensive side of the ball, um, you want to go offensive line because if we go offensive line, it's that's a very two very good groups. Yeah, let's do it. Let's start uh, let's offensive go, line and go, go that way. All right, I, I went with the Eagles. Um, um, I think the Eagles have the better offensive line. I think they have an argument for the best offensive line. Right tackle in football. A lot of people have been talking about Jordan Mailata being a weak link. They don't understand oh, it. Jordan Mailata is one of the best left tackles in football in general. Probably top, probably top. Maybe I don't know about top five. Probably top ten. Hundred percent top ten. Uh, I, Jordan Mailata is not a weak link. It, it, just Google an image of Jordan Mailata, and you'll understand that he's not a weak link. That is a massive human being with his ability to move as well. 
But it's not only the tackles. I mean, Landon Dickerson is a strong guard. Jason Kelsey is the best center in football. They've got a good, good offensive line. Uh, now, nice in the NFL. The, yeah, that's what I said. Now, the reason that we want to bring up this debate is because the 49ers, a lot of people don't like their offensive line. A lot of people don't. A lot of people try and talk about their offensive line in a poor manner. But I think that they have an above-average offensive line. Coming into the year, I said I would be very surprised. In After what I saw in training camp, I said I would be very surprised if this 49ers offensive line was not a top 15 offensive line in the NFL, maybe even top 10. And I think that they are on the bridge of that top 10 unit. I think that they're a fairly strong unit. And while they fluctuate at times for sure, I think they have a good unit. Trent Williams, the best offensive lineman in football in general. But then when you look about it, look at it, Aaron Banks, pretty solid year. Pretty, pretty solid year. Mike McGlinchey, a lot of people don't like him. Mike McGlinchey does a lot of good. He does some bad for sure, but he does a lot of good. I highlighted it in the film review this week. We saw how Mike McGlinchey, a lot of people post a picture of Mike McGlinchey and Michael Parsons, obviously, but Mike McGlinchey paved the way for some of the biggest runs for the 49ers in this past game and also held up well in part. Parsons beat him for sure a good amount of times, but part, uh, McGlinchey held up. And the point is he's an above average offensive lineman. And I think the 49ers have an above average unit. Just saying that though does not compare to the Eagles who have the best unit in the NFL. Absolutely. The Eagles have the best unit in the NFL by far. Like to me, you look at their entire offensive line and it's very, very good. Um, now, but you got Trent Williams, you got a good guard tandem in, in Aaron Banks and um, Spencer Burford. Now, Lane Johnson is, in my opinion, the best right tackle in the NFL. Jordan Mailata is good at one, better than Trent Williams at one thing and one thing only, and that's singing. For some people that I've I've seen from the Philadelphia, Zach Eagles said side. it. Jordan has pipes too. You can sing. Exactly, man. Like so, for for some Eagles fans, I've seen some Eagle fans are like, oh, Trent, uh, Trent Williams can't even can't even uh, reach uh, Jordan Mailata's name. Like, first of all, no, Jordan Mailata can sing better, but that's about it. All right, like that's to me. I'm giving credit to that Eagles O line. They're a good O line. They're the best in the NFL. But the 49ers offensive line, you don't gotta have the best O line in the NFL to win Super Bowls. You absolutely don't. You gotta have a top 10, top 15 offensive line. I think the 49ers have a top 10 offensive line in the NFL right now, and and that is because of the the young guards that came in and had a stellar season and had great for a couple of games in the postseason so far. Um, which people don't give them credit for it, but Aaron Banks was labeled a bust by 49 fans. Put some respect on his name. That guy has had a hell of a season. Spencer Burford, I've said it at, during training camp. He has Pro Bowl talent. If he could put it all together, he will one day be a Pro Bowl player, whether that's at right tackle or at guard. He has the Pro Bowl talent. He needs to just put it all together, and he had a great first year. Um, Going about the rest of the team, right? Running backs. Miles Sanders versus Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey all day, every day. Not even a debate. Elijah Mitchell, Miles Sanders. Probably going to lean towards Elijah Mitchell, and that's me being straight honest. Like, because Elijah Mitchell is a better route runner, is better out of the backfield. Um, he can run the ball as effective. Um, so in my opinion, I think the Portlanders have a much better ground game than the Philadelphia Eagles. Miles Sanders is a good running back. He was named to the Pro Bowl. I thought he shouldn't have been named to the Pro Bowl. 
Um, that's just my opinion. I thought Tony Pollard um, was okay, but I thought Christian McCaffrey should have been named to the Pro Bowl over Miles Sanders. Um, but looking at the, the run game, the ground game, I think the 49ers win that category. I think Elijah Mitchell and Christian McCaffrey are better than Miles Sanders, Kenneth Gainwell, and I believe Boston Scott. You can put all three of those guys compared to the other two I just named, and they're not going to be close to them. It just is what it is. You got the one of the uh, top three running backs in the NFL, Christian McCaffrey. Um, so that's why that running back group is much better. Now, Christian McCaffrey is one of those weapons that could attack you in the run game, attack you in the, in the pass game. I personally think that is going to be the deciding factor in this matchup. Who could run the ball effectively? If the 49ers could do so against a defense that I'm expecting is going to take away the run game completely. They're going to stack the box and force Brock Purdy to beat them in the pass game because that is where um, Philly matches up well against the 49ers defensively. Then things can get a little shaky, and that's where I believe the 49ers could have issues. So I think the 49ers often, uh, running back room is better, but the way they're going to be played, it might not look like they're the better running back duo because they're going to have eight in the box, possibly nine every once in a while when they're blitzing. So I think that's going to be the key determining factor of who wins this game. I think that you bring up a couple of different arguments. Now, I do think that Christian McCaffrey is the best running back of the of the entire uh, two teams. I disagree. I do think that Miles Sanders does provide value. I think he's the second best running back uh, in comparison to Elijah Mitchell. Mitchell does a lot of good things. I do value Miles Sanders over durability is a part of it, uh, at least this year in general. I mean, both are good running backs, and I do think Elijah Mitchell is right there at three. I think Miles Sanders is a good running back. I, I just think that he's efficient when he gets carries, and he was underutilized at good portions of the time in early parts of his career. And so to me, that's fine. But I do think running back unit-wise, the 49ers have uh, the better room because obviously when you have the one and three, Gainwell, uh, Boston Scott, got to be in the conversation. They're probably number fours and number fives or uh, four or five, whatever you want to rank them. Uh, I think that they're in the conversation. I mean, Jordan Mason's there as well. But regardless, 49ers have the better running back room. When you talk about, though, the running game in general, I do also tend to disagree. I don't know that the gap... Are you going to add Jalen Hurts to the run game for Philly? I am. So if you were thinking about Jalen Hurts, that's that's the part. uh, I'll let you clarify after. But I do think that the run game, when you talk about the run game overall, I don't think that there's this big of a disparity. I think the run game is very similar. And I think the run game could also pose significant issues for the 49ers because of Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts adds so much to that running game. Philadelphia, that's why they ran. uh, They they had a, a top five rush offense this year with 147.6 yards per game. And when you look at the most efficient offenses this year, I forget the exact five teams, but the most, the five, one of the five most efficient offenses each involved uh, uh, running quarterbacks or some quarterback to that caliber. When you look at EPA per play uh, and uh, obviously aside from the 49ers, but overall, I think that Jalen Hurts has a lot on the ground and that complements, especially in that zone read system and makes it easier sometimes for the running backs as long as, as well as uh, that strong offensive line when Jalen Hurts is back there as well. I think he adds a lot and that added ability puts the running games hand in hand. So I wasn't necessarily including Jalen Hurts in the run game in the sense of also more so talking like running backs run game, but if you add Jalen Hurts, then it kind of it kind of equals it out because Jalen Hurts in the run game is one of the best running backs in my opinion. I think he is the best running back beside behind um, Justin Fields in my opinion. I think people will like put Lamar Jackson ahead of him and stuff, but 
But I think the way Jalen Hurts runs the ball, he runs very smart. He gets down. He knows how to um, gain those extra yards. So for me, that if we include Jalen Hurts, I think it equals it out. I don't think the Eagles would be better. I think it actually equals it out. But um, if we're talking just strictly running backs on the in the ground, 100% going 49ers. Um, you brought up Jalen Hurts, but we'll get to we'll get to the quarterback room last. Uh, receivers and tight ends. Uh, we'll do tight ends real quick because I think it'll be a fairly quick one. Um, tight ends. Yeah. I'm going George Kittle it's over uh, Dallas <laughs> no, Goddard. <laughs> I would go. I would go Kittle over Dallas Goddard just just because I believe Kittle is better in all aspects of the game. But Dallas Goddard is a top, probably top five in my opinion, tight end. Yeah, that's fair. I, I think it's a similar ranking to me. Kittle second best tight end right now in football. Amazing route runner, amazing blocker. And I think obviously a lot of people that don't necessarily watch the 49ers a lot or look at the 49ers film a lot don't necessarily understand the value of George Kittle because the way he blocks is amazing. Earlier in the year, a lot of people complained, man, George Kittle isn't being used right or man, George Kittle isn't doing much right now when he had only like 30 yards in his first game and not necessarily the strongest start to the season receiving wise. But when you saw what he did in the blocking game, you'd understand, damn, George Kittle is really doing his thing here. And so I think that that's important. I think George Kittle is a guy who just provides so much value in that aspect. And obviously he's a route runner. We saw it last week. We've seen it over the second half of the season when he's gotten a lot of touchdowns. An amazing route runner uh, for his size and for with the speed that he has. Great route runner. Kittle, he's the guy. But Dallas Goddard, the reason uh, that a lot some fans might be a little, not necessarily hesitant, but some you, you do got to give the credit to Dallas Goddard. Goddard would have been a pro bowler if not for that, uh, if not for his injury. I think he probably would have made it over TJ Hawkinson. But regardless, he's a top five tight end in the NFL. I think, uh, yeah, top five tight end in the NFL right now. And he's a very valuable asset in Philly. Philly utilizes their tight ends a good amount. And they struggled when Goddard was out with the injury offensively. He's a huge part of that. And San Francisco is going to have to find a way to neutralize them. Uh, him, like they neutralized Dalton Schultz last week. Absolutely agree. Going to receiver room. Now, I'm going to put this in. I'm going to say receiver room, but I'm not going to say just in terms of actual receivers, right? Because if we do actual receivers, I think like in terms of like uh, route running, receiving yards and stuff like that, it'll probably be Philadelphia. But then that takes away from who Debo Samuel is. And I know we had this debate on Twitter or you tweeted out your top six list of but what Marco was saying as he comes back is earlier this week, uh, we had a, a conversation about the top receivers in the in the playoffs remaining, and we talked about purely as receivers. And in that list, controversial or not to you guys, I personally believe that the list went Jamar Chase at one, A.J. Brown at two. At number three was Brandon Ayuk. When you're talking purely receiver skills, four was T. Higgins, five was Devontae Smith, and then six was Debo Samuel. But when when we're going to talk about the wide receiver rooms on its own, we've got to talk about the wide receiver room as a whole. And we've got to talk about what does that mean? We've got to talk about the entirety of the uh, the uh, the entirety of the skill sets of all those six receivers. That's important because Debo Samuel, 
he's a receiver, but he also coined himself the wide back. Why? Because so much of Debo's value comes not only as a uh, after like as a running back, but also after the catch and also at the line of scrimmage. Debo Samuel had his lowest average depth of target this year, but Debo Samuel still was really impactful when he got the ball. So Marco, I was just explaining essentially the value of Debo Samuel and really why it's important to distinguish that when we talked about that receiver list earlier this week and purely as a receiver, why it went out, why I said my list the way that it did because Debo Samuel, so much of his value comes as a runner or comes after the catch when he gets balls at the line of scrimmage. But let's talk about this uh, ranking now in a way. Which receiver room is better when taking in the entirety of their skill sets? It's going to be a tough one because you got top running, uh, top wide receivers on both sides. What do you think? When, when talking about the entirety of everything, uh, I'm going to go 49ers receiving room, right? And the reason is, is it has nothing to do with, with the 49ers being better or more dominant as receivers. I think Brandon Ayuk is probably going to put his name in the top 10 category next year. Like, that's how good of a receiver he is. I think he's his target rate is going to go up. I think they're going to start utilizing him more for what he is. Um, but it's Debo Samuel, man. What Debo Samuel does um, as a runner with the ball in his hands, I think you have to lean Debo Samuel because he is a legit weapon. Now, I think A.J. Brown and Devont- Devonta Smith are hell of receivers. But then when you go to the number three receiver, the 49ers number three receiver is a great blocker. Jawan Jennings comes in clutch. I think he is better than the Eagles' number three receiver, which is, I believe, Quez, um, Quez Watkins, I believe, or or, or or Zach Pasqua, I believe. Those are their two other um, running uh, receivers, I believe. So when you look at the depth and everything, I think the 49ers receiving group is deeper than the Philadelphia Eagles. So for me, I have to go 49ers because of Debo Samuel's ability to take a bubble screen 85 yards to the house. He could do that on any play. He could take a pitch from Brock Purdy, 75 yards. Jawan Jennings comes in clutch on third downs. And that's not even including um, what uh, Brandon Ayuk could do. Now, A.J. Brown, I think he's a top 10 receiver in the NFL. Possibly top five, depending on um, what year you look at. Because a lot of times, people will rank based off a year. Because at the end of the day, players get better, players get worse. Um, so for me, I think right now he is a top 10 receiver in the NFL. I think Devonta Smith is around the 20, 25 range, but it all comes down to depth. And I think the four ers are a bit deeper because of Jennings is better than their third receiver and Debo's ability to, to go freaking 85 yards on a bubble screen. Yeah. I mean, you see here, third and Juwan, that's, that's why you coined him the nickname. And I think this one's one more of those really tough ones because I personally am a huge fan of A.J. Brown and his game. I think he's underrated, and here's how I'll put it. If A.J. Brown was in the 49ers offense, I would not be surprised if we saw A.J. Brown doing what Debo Samuel did, and nice. maybe even to a higher extent because A.J. Brown has the the body and the size and the, the really the, what do you call it, the skill set that Debo Samuel has It's just he doesn't run the football in Philly. He doesn't get the bubble screens as much in Philly and things like that. He's used differently in Philly. And we've seen A.J. Brown as a wide receiver, an elite route runner for his size, and really got good deep speed while also being amazing at the catch point. Uh, so we've seen the entirety of the skill set of A.J. Brown, but we have to value it in, to, in this situation. The other factor that I got to talk about 
that I'm not going to include in my ranking that makes it tougher is the postseason. What do I mean by that? The postseason imposes a different level of physicality. The postseason prioritizes the value of a player like Debo Samuel. Why? Because when you need that play to happen, when that physicality is coming down and when players are getting tired at the end of the game, when it's that game that matters, you got guys like Debo Samuel to help you in that game. We've also seen the way that Debo Samuel has closed games out. Green Bay, he closed that game out with that seven yard run on third and seven. The 49ers called it the, uh, the, what do you call it? Uh, the, the Cowboys game, the wild card game last year, the 23 yard uh, touchdown that essentially uh, ended the game for the 49ers. Uh, those type of plays, that's where Debo Samuel has the value. Now I'm not including that in this ranking because that's the postseason. I'm trying to just include the player in general and the wide receiver rooms in general. And that is what makes it tough for me right now, I think, though, I will go with the 49ers for one reason. I had Brandon Ayuk over Devontae Smith. I think that Ayuk has the slight edge over Devontae Smith, in my opinion, as well as Juwan Jennings having the slight edge over Quez Watkins because Jennings, in his role for the 49ers, I think does more than Watkins for his role with the Eagles. That's how I personally view it. I think Wes Watkins is an underrated receiver as well with that speed. He's got one of them. He's just got pure deep speed. He is fast, fast, fast. But I do think that the 49ers have the edge with the wide receiver two role, regardless of how you look at stats. I think Ayuk is just the better player overall with the route running speed size, uh, the combination of his skills. And that is why I think the 49ers have the slight edge. If you go with the Eagles, totally understand if you even think smith is better than Ayuk, i understand i said that in my video on tuesday but tough matchup gotta go with the the 49ers here in a slight edge yeah and, and it's not we both don't think like it's oh by far 49ers it's very close but the right. little things in the playoffs that that the like the things that debo does running the ball the after the, the yards after the catch those little things are what push the 49ers over the edge for us now i agree with everything you said i thought aj brown was my re he was my receiver one that draft class i wanted the 49ers to take him um when they took debo samuel now i don't mind and i didn't i don't mind the debo samuel pick anymore but for a while i was pretty upset that they took debo samuel over aj brown i thought aj brown and kyle's um system kyle's offense would have been phenomenal i thought he was phenomenal at, at ole miss um, the main question of it all, quarterback, Brock Purdy, Jalen Hurts. I'll let you go first. I said earlier uh, when we talked about the linebackers that that might be the easiest uh, pick, and I think that that is the easiest pick. But in my opinion, no disrespect to Brock Purdy, this is the second easiest pick of the entire pick. group. That ain't disrespectful, man. It's just how it is right now. And – this is the second easiest pick of all these groupings. I think it's more so a testament to how really tight-knit and how close most of these other groups are. But I think that you've got to go with Jalen Hurts here. I saw an interesting graphic earlier this week where the comparison between Brock Purdy and Jalen Hurts in his last seven games are nearly identical. And it's funny because people now start getting the unrealistic expectations that Hurts and Purdy might provide the same production in this game. Now, you do got to account. Uh oh, you do got to account. Hertz was hurt for one of those games, pretty much. You did, he did not look like himself in that New York Giants game. But regardless, when you talk about that, you can just, even if you want, just take that graphic 
that discludes half of Jalen Hurts' arsenal. That discludes so, him as a running, as a I rusher. I pulled up the 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 graphic for you. So pretty much, essentially, it's Emmanuel Aiko, right? Uh, yeah. And he's talking about seven and zero, seven and zero, passing yards per game, two thirty four for both of them, two thirty four point nine for for Purdy, two thirty four for Hertz, sixty six point seven completion percentage for Purdy, sixty five for Hertz, passing touchdowns, interceptions. Hertz is ten to three. Brock Purdy is fourteen to two. Um, passer rating. Brock Purdy is 116 to Jalen Hurts is 96. And then passing touchdowns plus rushing touchdowns, 17 for Jalen Hurts. And then uh, Brock Purdy is 16. So he adds the – so what they did is they added the the, the element you're going to talk about, but not completely. They added a piece of it. The total touchdowns, right? That's where they added it? Yeah. Yeah. And it, I, know, it, I know exactly where you're gonna go. Where we're going with this. I wanted to make sure I, I said that the stats. Right, right, right. And so that's that's the interesting part, right? In that they added that part, but not the other part. And that's fair because Jalen Hurts has only 22 passing touchdowns, but he also has 13 rushing touchdowns on the year, which adds when you add up 35 total touchdowns. That's that's elite. That is good enough. And I mean, when you talk about the development that Hurts has seen, Hurts throws the he he's got the better deep ball. He throws the ball downfield with more aggressiveness than Brock Purdy, and he also completes the passes better than Brock Purdy in that regard. And this is all just him as a passer. I think Hurts right now is fa- fairly solid uh, as a passer, but also when you talk about the rushing impact, that is the huge difference in. Uh, Philadelphia's offense. Philadelphia's offense is predicated on Hertz and those legs. Hertz creates so much not only by himself but also in the zone read game because you have to respect Hertz's ability to run as a uh, as a quarterback. And so to me, that's the big difference maker in this one, and that's why Hertz provides any much value. That's why you see teams trying to go out and get these quarterbacks where they might be more raw as a passer, but provide this uh, provide this potential at uh, as a rusher. Because the dual threat ability got to go easily with the Eagles here. Yeah, I agree with you. I go Eagles. And the crazy part is on, on those statistics that they show, they leave out, did the math real quick, they leave out 440 rushing yards. If you divide that by the seven games, that's 62 yards. So, like, if we're being honest, so like the stats was 234 each on passing. If you do total yards, 234 and uh, the 90s, 300 yards a game. 300 yards a game. Versus uh, Brock Purdy's around that 234, maybe 240 if he rushes for six yards every game. Um, he's not a, not a rusher. Um, so th- that's what that's exactly what you were saying is they're leaving out a big part of who Jalen Hurts is. They're leaving out that rushing ability. They included in the touchdowns to make it look make it look like a like a good uh, a graphic, right? To compare the two, make them look great compared to each other. But realistically, it's not a comparison. Uh, we're talking about Jalen Hurts, who is. Uh, MVP candidate versus um, Brock Purdy, who, yeah, he's he's excelled, but he's nowhere in Jalen Hurts' category. Jalen Hurts is a top five quarterback, in my opinion, tops in that top six quarterback category this season. Brock Purdy isn't in that category. It's, tell how it right. is, right? And it's but, also, it's, sorry, it's no, unfair to Purdy when you bring him up in these discussions, when you overrate him because you're setting him to unrealistic expectations. And when he doesn't meet the expectations, then it, then it shines a bad light on Purdy. It's unfair to him to have these, uh, these conversations to have these comparisons because it sheds an unnecessary and really invaluable kind of, uh, it, it sheds that type of comparison. And it also sheds that type of profile, which you don't want 
on a guy like Purdy. You want him to just be the guy that he's been, which has been phenomenal for the 49ers when talking about the storyline. So that's that's the that's kind of what I want to outline there. Yeah, and, and what it does to Purdy in a sense is if Purdy goes 225 yards passing um, a touchdown or two, um, doesn't throw any interceptions, fans are going to say he played bad. He only had 225 yards. Or he only, let's say he throws for 198. He only had 198. He didn't even hit 200. But if the 49ers win, it doesn't matter because the game plan is going to be completely different than the game plan for Jalen Hurts. Their game plan is run the ball with Jalen Hurts, throw the ball deep. That's the kind of game plan they have. And they're not going to change it up, in my opinion. I think so. That's where things get tricky for the quarterback battle. But I do agree Jalen Hurts is, is the better quarterback in that aspect. Now, what do the 49ers need to do to win, and what do the Eagles need to do, do to win? Oh, before that, though, because I, I did see the pin message right now. Let's talk about the coaching. Let's okay. talk about that, and then we'll talk about the the keys to the game. Coaching experience, JB says he thinks the 49ers have it on our side because Sirianni just won his first playoff game. Would you agree with that sentiment? Talk about the coaches and the assistants because both teams are loaded with the coaching staff. Both teams, when you when you talk about it, Jonathan Gannon and Shane Steichen are both getting head coaching interviews. Anthony Lynn just got an offensive coordinator interview uh, from the Washington Commanders, at least the request. And D'Amico Ryans right now is the odds-on favorite to win the Denver Broncos head coaching job. So, yeah, so it's crazy because the the coaching the coaching on both sides is phenomenal. I think Nick Sirianni is a super duper good coach. I think he's embraced the Philadelphia energy. And became a Philadelphia person. That's just who he is. He he took on that culture and he coaches exactly how as a Philadelphia fans want him to coach with that anger, with that aggressiveness. It's just who Philly is. Um, but when you look at Kyle Shanahan, he built his team a certain way to play in the playoffs, run the ball, get physical. He has a defensive coach that does the same thing. Now Gannon um does a does a lot of things very well on, on that side of the ball, obviously um generating pressure and, and stuff like that. So you have very good uh, defensive coordinators, very good offensive play callers. Um, so I don't want to necessarily say um, that because Nick Sirianni just won his first head, first uh, career playoff game that he's not a good coach or Kyle Shanahan has more experience than him. Because the, at the end of the day, Nick Sirianni is in his third NFL season Um I believe he made the playoffs with uh, his his first year as a head coach um, in 2022, I believe, or second year. Um, but he's been a good coach for the Philadelphia Eagles. So I don't want to discredit him and say Kyle's better or he's better because it's going to discredit both coaches because they're, they're hell of a coaches. Now, where I'm going to say something, and it's crazy, but I think Eagles have – the advantage because they have a coach on not not necessarily advantage in the coaching Mm -hmm. but they have an advantage because they have secret intel on brock purdy now the philadelphia eagles have a coach by the name of dk mcdonald he is assistant Mm -hmm. defensive back coach he was on the iowa state roster when brock purdy was there so he knows brock purdy just as well as any coach right so he was around him for the, the I believe it was three years that he was there. Um, so for me, that is a secret intel because Gannon is going to use a lot of what uh, McDonald says to get after Brock Purdy. 
what was he good at in college? Because Brock Purdy hasn't been, actually, he hasn't really been developed the way a team would want to develop a young quarterback. He was thrown into the fire and said, hey, bro, don't sink. Literally, that's what happened. Like, hey, don't don't sink, man. Put the fire out. We just lost Jimmy, our second quarterback. Put it out for us. And he's done that. So that's why I think they have a secret advantage, but not necessarily an advantage in the terms of who's going to be a better play caller on Sunday uh, afternoon. I think it's a very, very even matchup. And I'm not going to say that because Nick Sirianni just won his first playoff game, that Kyle is the better coach. Yes, he experiences on the 49ers side, but I don't think that is the deciding factor on why the 49ers would win. That's interesting. Really good points there made by you. And when we talk about it, I'll go head coach and then I'll go the coordinators. When we talk about Kyle Shanahan and Nick Sirianni, each has different things that go for them. Nick Sirianni is one of the best coaches when it comes to aggressiveness. I forget the chart itself. He was one of the best when it came to fourth down decision-making in terms of when to go for it and when to kick the field goal. He was the best in the NFL this year. Kyle Shanahan, we know that's not his forte. Loves the conservative route, and that's why he ranked amongst the middle of the pack. In those go-to situations, Sirianni ranks amongst the highest in the NFL uh, with the coaching staff. What does that mean? He's clearly not aggressive, and despite him being a younger head coach and a uh, like with less experience, he has shown that he has the tendency to make the right decisions in those uh, situations. Now, Sirianni has also been vital in the development of Jalen Hurts. We've seen it. He's made a system tailored to Hurts' uh, setting, or really Hurts' skill set, and made Hurts into a really good, not made, I'm not going to say that, but really helped uh, provide uh, develop Hurts into a really solid passer. The development from year two, right? Year two, was, or was he, no, the year one last year, right? Or, uh, so last year for Jalen Hurts was, I believe his... No, first year as a starter, sec- but year first two. First year as a starter, right. but it was his second year, I believe. I believe he is in his third yeah. season, but realistically he didn't get to play until much, his second yeah. season because of uh I believe it was Carson Wentz there. Wentz, yeah. yeah. So when we talk about it, the jump from starting year one to starting year two is huge. From this past year to uh to this year, it's huge and you credit Sirianni for that. Now Kyle Shanahan, I'm probably higher on him than other people. I think Kyle Shanahan is a very good head coach. I think he's one of the best head coaches in the NFL and one of the best play callers in the NFL, which is also Sirianni's bread and butter. To me, though, I think that this matchup is a draw. I would give the edge to Shanahan, but I don't want to discredit Sirianni with that, like you're saying. With the coordinators, though, I do think Tamiko Ryans has the advantage. Jonathan Gannett is an interesting coordinator. He's a good coordinator, and both of them, there's a reason why they're both the finalists for the job in the Houston, uh, with the Houston Texans. I think, though, D'Amico Ryans is a little better with the adjustments, and I also think D'Amico Ryans is a little better in the timing, in the understanding of game planning. And, and, and what do I mean by that? Gannon, first of all, he loves quarters coverage. It, it, the one thing that I've seen, he loves quarters coverage, and he has a tendency for that. And why do I think that that's not the best? Quarters coverage is good. Quarters coverage, quarter, quarter, half, the way that the uh, Eagles use. But you've got two of the best man-to-man coverage quarterbacks in the NFL, and Gannon loves to drop them into zone coverage and have them cover a quarter or half of the field. Or sorry, uh, like their quarters of the field. To me, that's invaluable and in not utilizing your resources to the best, especially when you have that defensive line and can trust the quarterbacks to play man coverage with Devontae Maddox as well in the slot. 
D'Amico Ryans, while he does uh, drop his guys back, he, they play cover three a lot. Well, while he does drop his guys back a good amount, I think he makes the proper adjustments. Uh, and it's not only even with their cornerbacks. I mean, you've seen him understand that the defensive or the offensive line is going to have a certain shift in protection. And so he'll drop one guy back where uh, that uh, where he was initially going to rush. And then that creates a hole and you got a blitzer there. And so you're still only rushing four or five, but you've got a different set of things. And I think D'Amico Ryan says that better than any coordinator in the NFL. Now, offensive coordinator, why Shane Steichen is, he, he's, he's very talented and he's going to be a good head coach. It seems like at the moment, I think that the Eagles get the edge there. Overall, coaching-wise, I got to give it to the 49ers. The reason being, Kyle Shanahan is the offensive coordinator. He's the head coach and offensive coordinator. I rule him in that uh, in that world, and I think that Kyle Shanahan is there. I said I'd give him the slight advantage over the Sirianni, and I think Ryans has the advantage over Jonathan Gannon. That's why I go with the 49ers. And, and I, I, I get what you're saying about Gannon and the aspect of he doesn't utilize his man-to-man coverage the right way, right? Like, like you're saying, you have Darius Slay, bro. Man him up all game long. To me, there were now this is getting going into the, the keys of the game, right? Because if you're let's do it. If you're the 49ers, um you definitely want to have them play you in a zone. Because then it takes takes them out of their element. Because now you're forcing them to actually tackle, right? Like you're forcing them to do things they don't want to do. And that's why they're not good tacklers. When these guys are when they're you have man to man corners. Like Darius Slay and James Bradbury, they don't. They're not going to be good tacklers because they're great in coverage. Like mm-hmm. you pay them one, you pay them for one thing, and that's to cover. I don't care what they else they do. If they cover great, have them cover great. He doesn't do that. He puts them in situations that put them in no man's land essentially. And I think if he mans them up on the 49ers receivers, um, like Dallas did, I thought Dallas did a great job of taking away the number one um read for Brock Purdy. Mm-hmm. It kind of had Brock bailing out too soon. It had Brock wanting to take off. Um, so if he could do that, essentially the 49ers are going to struggle offensively because that means you're stacking the box, taking away the run, and you're forcing right. them, you're forcing Debo to beat man coverage, which he's not the best at beating man coverage unless he's running um, crossing routes. He's not going to beat you downfield or he's going to beat you on whip routes, the, the little things that he does good. Brandon Ayuk is going to win those one-on-one matchups, but not consistently enough that he showed to be able to do last week. Now, he does it. He could do it at a high level, but it's not consistent. Now, to me, that's one of the keys of the game. If Philadelphia plays man coverage more often, or if they do the disguised looks that make it like a cover two man, or you're running a lot of buzz stuff, right? You're able to essentially take things away from Kyle Shanahan. But then Kyle Shanahan's going to hit you back with, okay, you want to play man? Well, guess what? Cover Debo on a crossing route and tackle him after Because guess what? If he gets the ball in his hands, see ya. You're not tackling him. So those, and then that's, right. that's where it starts getting um, nitpicky on what's going to happen. I think the 49ers got to stick with the run offensively, even if it's not working. I said that last week against Dallas. You got to stick with the run, even if it's not working, because those blows are going to pay off in the fourth quarter, in the third quarter, when, when playoff games are won. And I think that's where Jonathan Gannon might struggle on his timing, timing up his blitzes and playing man coverage. Yeah. And I I think we got a good comment here that Zach just put in keys of the game. We're talking about Niners need to run down their throats at least 35 plus times and have to contain hurts to have a chance. 
Do you agree with both of these sentiments that the Niners need to run down their throats at least 35 times and have to contain Hurts? What do you think? I would say yes on containing Jalen Hurts because I said it in the space earlier. I said a key to the game um, definitely is keeping your, your rush integrity in the sense of if you get out of your rush lane, Jalen Hurts will beat you in the run game. Now, if you keep him in the pocket and force him to be a pocket quarterback, he is a hell of a pocket quarterback, but now you're taking away one of his best attributes, which is running the football. So I think that is a way you could essentially beat the Eagles. If you take away on offense, you take away Jalen Hurts' rushing lanes. And I don't necessarily, I don't think you have to put a spy on him because I see a lot of people saying, put a spy on him. Well, yeah, if you put a spy on him, and if you're in zone coverage or man coverage, you have someone that is pretty much covering They're grass. in that lane. They're right you're, in the middle of the field. Yeah. Yeah, but it's... I don't like putting spies on, on people too often because you're covering grass. Covering grass, you're pretty much in no man's land in, in the NFL. I personally think you got to be either covering a zone or you're covering a man. Now, if you're covering Jalen Hurts, then you ha- it's one of those ones where if the rush, integ- the rush lane integrity goes away, then yes, it's great because that guy is able to um, break and go get him as soon as, as, as uh, Jalen Hurts starts to bail. But for me, I think those are – I don't think 35 rushes is going to win you the game. I think you're going to have to throw the – you're going to run the ball 30 times, but you're going to have to throw the ball at least 25 to 30 times too. So you're going to have to be able to throw the ball to be able to move the ball because I think they're going to sell out and take away the run. I think Gannon and Sirianni are going to force Kyle Shanahan to beat them with Brock Purdy. I think that's fair. I think that that's fair. And I think Zach brings up a good point. You need to contain Hurts. And the way that you do that, I think the 49ers have to figure that out. Because if you don't contain Hurts, that's going to cause a problem. The 49ers have seen it before with uh, those mobile quarterbacks. That's important. And I think about the 35 times, I will push back a lot on that. Uh, Not a lot, but I will push back on that number. I think they need to run down their throats. I like the game plan that they've set up the last two weeks in that they've passed a lot in the first half. 19, I believe, to 10 in one game uh, in the in the Seattle Seahawks game, 19 to 11 in the Dallas Cowboys game. And then they've looked yeah. more run-centric in the second half. Ran the ball over 20 times in both games as opposed to, I think, 10 or less passes in both games. So they've, they've had a game plan where they've looked to stretch vertically in the first half, looked to try and take advantage of the opportunities. And also, the point is, you have eight or nine in the box at times, seven, eight, nine in the box. What do you do? When there's that many in the box, try and stretch vertically and create those advantages. Now, it will be tougher, obviously, against a Philly defense that can get to the quarterback earlier because of the amount of talent they have on the defensive line. But if the 49ers can maintain the game plan that they've had the past two games while executing at a higher level than they did against Dallas, then I think that they're going to have a good shot at running down their throats, especially in the second half when the teams are getting more tired because that's what they've done. And you have the powerful guys like Elijah Mitchell and Debo Samuel to fulfill that role for the 49ers as well, obviously, as Christian McCaffrey. So I do think that you should run for the uh, for, for, for reference the rushing totals in the past two games, 32 rushes, 33 rushes. So it's right up on that 35 number. I think the goal for the 49ers should be 30. I know Kyle Shanahan has said it before that his goal is 30 rushes in a game. I don't really care too much how many yards per carry it is, even if it's only three and a half, because we saw in Dallas, even well, it was what I think at the end it was only... 3.5 that second half rushing they didn't rush really that effectively under four yards per carry 
But still, it made an impact in the game. You could see that the 49ers were moving when they were finally blocking well, finally running at the Dallas Cowboys. Even if it was short gains, they were able to make a difference, sustain these longer drives, and get scoring points. So I like the thought process here with both of those keys. So I had a coach back in the day, um, Coach Ralph. Um, shout out to him. One of, one of the best coaches I've ever had. Uh, a great offensive minded guy. So he goes and tells me, right? He goes, break like picking his head, right? Like, how do things go? You know, as, as a play caller, what do you what are you looking for? He goes, well, my run game, every play, I, I need at least three and a half yards per run. He goes, that's the 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 least amount. He goes, my run game is gonna get more than that because I because I know how to I know how to set up runs. I know how to call right. plays. He goes, so but the reason why I need three and a half is because if I'm getting three and a half, he goes, it's like paper cutting you constantly. Three and a half is if I run the ball on first and second down and I'm getting three and a half, you're telling me I'm on th- I'm third and three roughly because you're three and a half yards. That's seven yards on two plays. He goes, so third and three. He goes, my odds to pick up three yards on, on third and three are a lot higher. So you're telling me if you can't stop right. that, I'm going to go away from it. He goes, it's a paper cut. I'm going to paper cut you all game long until you can stop those three and a half yards. I'm going to keep doing it. So for. Like you're saying, Kyle should not go away from it because it's those are the little things that get defenses frustrated. Is, Damn, three and a half yards instead of second instead of second and ten, uh, second and nine, it's second and seven or second and six, second and seven. Those are much different play calling because now you you got to defend a lot different, a lot more variety of plays that could be called. Now, what do you think at the end of the day? is going to happen essentially the 49ers the eagles what are the key things that end up making the victorious and who's victorious sunday i think the key things number one you've got to start with what we just talked about the run game the run game is going to be huge for both sides the 49ers need to have a successful run game the eagles need to have a successful run game why it's part of their both of their formulas the 49ers run the ball well the eagles are a top five rushing unit in the nfl this year And it's also part of their philosophies in the playoffs. You saw how well the Eagles ran last week. I think it was in excess of 200 yards, almost 250 yards last week. While the 49ers, they've run 32 and 33 times in their two playoff games. So I think that that's going to be important. But also, it's the explosive plays. In the playoffs, you need one or two explosive plays, sometimes in a defensive showdown, and that's going to help you win the game. For the 49ers, they only had one true explosive play last week. It was that George Kittle bobble catch that ended up happening that really pushed them downfield. What happened as a result of that? The 49ers got their lone touchdown of the game. That one touchdown was the difference against the Cowboys. The explosive plays, whichever team can really limit the explosive plays while also generating the more turnovers, I think that that's important. The last thing with the turnovers, when I talk about them, Why are they important? The 49ers now have had 12 games this year where they've had a turnover battle, where they've won the turnover battle, had a higher turnover differential than their opponent. In each of their 12 games, they've had a winning result. It's clear. You win the turnover battle, you win the game. 49ers need to do that. If the Eagles want to win, they need to do that as well. I agree with you. I think 49ers defensively, I think D'Amico Ryan needs to do a great job of keeping Jalen Hurts from running and doing everything possible. The moment he starts scrambling, the moment he starts doing things um, with his legs is the moment the 49ers defense is going to be in for a long night. And what I mean by that is those third those third and sixes, 
when they're converted because of Jalen Hurts' legs, it's going to happen. But if it's happening consistently, where it happens two or three times, four times, that's what kind of gets at the defense. You can start seeing the defense get frustrated. You can see D'Amico get frustrated. So the biggest thing is to prevent Jalen Hurts from running the football. There's no other way to say yeah. it. If you could get him to, to be a pure pocket passer, have keep him under 20 yards rushing um, in the total game, I think they'll be fine. Now, I agree. When he, starts, when he starts to break off and you're in your a deep cover three or in your um, – I know he likes to run cover four uh, every once in a while. When you get into those and he picks up 10 to 15 yards, those are killer. Those are killer. Um, so I think you're keeping right. Jalen Hurts in the pocket offensively utilize George Kittle in the pass game against these linebackers. Now, Fair. You're probably, they're probably going to put C.J. Gardner-Johnson on them every once in a while. Probably put Avante Maddox, who's pretty solid, um, against tight ends on him. But using George Kittle in the passing game against these guys is going to be the biggest thing to success because the run game is going to be probably stagnant the way I expect Philly to play the 49ers. Completely stuff the run. Force Brock Purdy to beat you with his arm. And when it comes to passing downs, you're probably going to send a, send someone because Brock Purdy is pretty solid when it comes to four-man uh, uh, pressures. So when you're only, only sending four, he is one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL, actually. Um, so you, But also, too, he hasn't played a defensive line like Philadelphia. Um, so I think doing that, I think as you're making Brock Purdy um, throw the ball and beat them, you got to use Christian McCaffrey and George Kittle at the same time. Not necessarily um, purely Christian. There, there you go. I wouldn't necessarily say linebackers, but I'm saying like Christian McCaffrey and, and screens. Use them in general. Against, yeah, against use them in the, general. Their defensive line wants to get after the quarterback. They want to get after the quarterback. They want so seven, eight sacks a game. Screen the living crap out of that defensive line. You do Force those edges to kick out. Yeah. Yep, because now, now you have defensive line trying to – stop the screen, heads on a swivel, trying to stop the screen rather than getting out the quarterback. And that's where you generate more time for your young quarterback. So I think if Kyle Shanahan could do that, they could have success. Now, the main question everyone wants to wants to know, who wins on Sunday, Rohan? Who wins on Sunday? Now, this is the, the, the million-dollar question and the question that will likely get my head chopped off by one team's fan base. And unfortunately, at the moment... I think I've got to stick to what I said earlier this week. And that means my head is going to be chopped off by our fan base and whoever's in the chat. At the moment, I've got the Eagles. It's unfortunate, but at the moment, I've got the Eagles. So do I kick him out now or do I kick him out later? Let me explain and then you can kick me. But <laughs> the Eagles right now, the reason I say it, I said it earlier this year. When, what, week 12, 13, whatever it was, with Ryan Hensley, I said, they're the toughest matchup for the 49ers. Why? We just uh, we just essentially uh, elaborated exactly why. We went through matchup by matchup, and we talked about the most important positions. Defensive line, offensive line, quarterback. We talked about the important positions, and under, uh, I illustrated why I have the Eagles in some of those important matchups. At the moment, they are the better team, and I wonder how this game goes. I very well would not be shocked if it's the 49ers. We talked about how close of a game this should be. And right now, though, I, I do think it's the Eagles. It seems right now like America's uh, the best Super Bowl for the for for, for, for football 
49ers Chiefs. But right now, I think it's the Bengals Eagles that ends up happening. I agree. But I don't agree. Say what? I agree, but I don't agree. Okay. So, as a 49ers fan, I say 49ers are going to win this game, right, by three. But as someone who likes to analyze football and talk football and talk sports in general, I think Philadelphia is one of the most complete teams in the NFL. And the reason they're more complete than the 49ers right now is because of the quarterback situation. Because it's Brock Purdy. And I'm not saying Brock Purdy has played bad. I'm not saying Brock Purdy isn't good. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying Brock Purdy is not the answer. We don't know yet. That's a conversation for another episode in the offseason. That's funny. Um, what I'm saying is when you have the best offensive line like the Philadelphia Eagles do, they're going to be able to run the ball. They're going to be able to throw the ball because they have time. They could actually navigate, open up rush lanes for Miles Sanders and Jalen Hurts and the running backs they have. Now, their defense line is very damn good. I haven't seen Brendel do well against guys like Fletcher Cox. Or I agree. That's Hargrave. huge. Fletcher Cox against Jake uh, Jake Brendel, in my opinion, is going to be the, the deciding factor in a way because if the 49ers run game is struggling because Fletcher Cox, um, then Dominican Sue and um, Hargrave are dominating the trenches inside, that's where the 49ers are going to struggle. And I think it's a 50-50 toss-up. I think it's going to be a three-point game going either way, but – Philadelphia has the quarterback on their side that um, Jalen Hurts. They have the um, offensive line, which is phenomenal. They have a great defensive line. Now, the 49ers have a great defense, a great offensive line, um, good receivers. They have everything. Right. But they're just playing with the most complete team. So, And you got to go to Philadelphia in the most. I think Philadelphia in the playoffs is probably the best atmosphere in, in any sports outside of, of, of Levi Stadium. Um but their fan base is just different. It's really yeah. different, right? Like it's yeah. the 49ers fan base is amazing, but the Philadelphia fan base, it's they're on. They're when on you them. when when you hear how much they turn on their own teams. Now imagine how much they turn on other teams. That's how I'll put it, dude. They turn on their team so fast, but the thing is, like, they are quick to turn on their team, but when their team is winning. That's how the fast and how possible. crazy right. they are about their team. They're, they're quick to say, hey, Jalen Hurts was a bust. They were quick right. to say that. But now that he's the dude, they are behind him. They're, dude, that, that stadium is going to be rocking. It's going to be so loud. I think it's going to be a very, very good game that comes down to the last couple of minutes of that game. And I think Philadelphia comes on top by three. That's me talking as someone who talks sports. But if the 49er fan in me says 49ers win by three. I think that's fair. So I think we did a great job of, of going over. And people were they're not gonna like the answer, but it's all right. I, I, I know they're like the people are gonna say Yeah, we're we're crazy. But I'm I I've I've thought Philadelphia was the favorite to win the Super Bowl after like week thirteen. Like that's how good they are. I think they're right. gonna win the Super Bowl if they get past us. That's just how good they are. I think they match up fairly well with any team in the any team in the playoffs. And I know so do you. So I'm sorry, 49er fans, if you guys get upset about us, set, set upset with us about what we just said. We're just trying to keep it real with you guys. We're not trying to sugarcoat anything. Yeah. And I, I like the response here from PJ to end today's show. Respect the answer. It's gonna be our toughest game. That's all we're saying. 
it's going to be the toughest game. And like I said, would be very uh, sur- uh, wouldn't be at all surprised if either team wins this one. That's why we're in the championship. That's how these matchups are. Same with the the other matchup, the AFC one. Absolutely, two two good teams. Fortnite got to go on the road. They got to play in a hostile environment with a a young rookie quarterback. That is where it, it gets very chippy. Remember, Jalen Hurts has championship caliber in college. He was in those championship caliber games. So he has experience there. He has experience on the big stage. So that's where it, it gets. That's us continuing the conversation and going deeper. But I thought we've done a, a great job. Thank you, everyone, for yeah. tuning in. Um, shout out to Zach. Shout out to Snowboat. Shout out to PJ. Um, Callie in, in, in the house. Um, shout out to everyone that was, was tuned in. Make sure you guys go ahead and hit the like button and subscribe to both channels. They're in the um, description. Make sure you follow both of us on Instagram, uh, Twitter. I want to say Instagram. At Marco underscore Mart 1205 at Rohan Um I appreciate every single one of you guys for, for being in here for a whole hour and uh, 20 minutes with us. Thank you guys and have a blessed uh, weekend. Have a great Friday tomorrow. We're out. Peace out.